Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations with the intention of demystifying, destigmatizing, and desensitizing what really gets talked about behind the closed doors of the therapy room. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Selkin. And we're seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. So join us as we dive into the ways that therapy can be connecting not only to yourself, but also to those around you. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. This was such a fun episode, maybe especially for me. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you were getting a lot of tips out of this one. Um, <laughs> no, it's funny. We, we talk so much about like meaty, depthy, sometimes like super serious kind mm. of conversations. And we love that. And this actually was a lot more fun than I even anticipated it being. Um, you know, it's still a serious conversation. Like we talk all about dating and dating in the pandemic and kind of tips and tricks around managing anxieties around dating and all the things. Um, so it's a serious conversation for a lot of people, yeah. but we did it in a way that just felt really organic and fun. And so I think that um, will help. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that's a little of what this guest brings, right? She right. sort of talks about how approaching dating with a sense of lightness and a sense of like mindfulness and just being really present and bringing love into the spaces of meeting new people can really help to not take it so serious, to not have right. that like serious energy of like, where is this going? What's going to happen? I'm never going to meet someone. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, that's really lovely. And I really enjoyed talking to her for that reason. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think um, if anything, y'all get some um, good tips. And even if you're not dating, I think her approach um, around the idea of connecting with other people is still mm. something that all of us can, you know, need, need a reminder on sometimes, myself included. So I, I think regardless, this will be a, a fun and interesting listen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Enjoy guys. Vanessa and I are so excited about today's guest. We have Melanie Hirsch with us, who is a psychotherapist turned dating coach, which is something I'm so excited um, to talk about, just the topic of dating, especially right now. Um, but Melanie teaches singles how to rewire the unconscious patterns that have been preventing them from having the love they want. Melanie believes that dating and relationships are some of the most powerful catalysts for personal growth, well said. Um, her approach isn't focused on how to get the person you want, but how to become the person that easily attracts love in. Her unique approach blends psychology, spirituality, and energetics, love that, to help her clients increase their self-esteem, know their worth, and easily attract healthy love into their lives. And also, Melanie's work has been featured in Oprah's O Magazine, um, so some of you might know her from that, but welcome, Melanie. Thanks so much yeah, for being yeah. with us. I'm so happy to be here. So I know today mentioned it, but I'm, I'm really curious about, because obviously we're, you know, therapists too, but what was the transition for you or like, how did you find yourself going from, you know, or maybe you were always interested in this idea of like, you know, the LMFT route into, I'm going to focus kind of my energy into this relationship coaching world. Yeah. So I, um, dating and relationships was, has always been really challenging for me in the past. And so that was an area that I had a particular you know, just this big focus on. And um, at some point I took a job with eHarmony and they were hiring licensed therapists as 
dating coaches and matchmakers. And I thought, okay, like love that. So passionate about this area. <laughs> I've studied it. I've been working with it to figure out how to, you know, go through my own blocks. And um, so I went there and I just, I loved focusing in on helping people with dating. It's like, it was sort of this people come to me because they're struggling in that area. But when we really get in there, it opens up all these other layers. And that's what I love working on. So I fell in love with focusing on it and I just decided I'm going to make this my thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Love that. And so um, you were a therapist in private practice for a long time. Is that right? Yeah, I was in there. I was working in private practice and, um, and so many of my clients struggled with the same thing. I had so many, you know, women in their twenties and mm -hmm. were just struggling with dating and picking unavailable partners. And so it felt like my world, not only was I going through it, but my clients were going through it. So I was so committed to figuring that out. Mm, yeah. I was going to say, will you tell us a little bit more about that? So like from the personal experience, like what was it for you, I guess, you know, you, you mentioned kind of in the write-up that we, we obviously ask everybody to kind of do a little write-up first about your, your own kind of limiting beliefs mm -hmm. um, and like working with clients to help them understand limiting beliefs, helping them shift them, et cetera. And I'm curious, like, what did you discover about yourself in your work, right? Because for Danae and I, we always find that the most potent work with our clients is stuff that we obviously ourselves have really like... We don't have to have experienced it exactly, but definitely things that we've kind of rolled around in or have some kind of personal, you know, insight into, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was for myself personally, it's like when I finally, I, I finally got to a place where I realized, oh shit, I have these limiting beliefs. I have to really get in and mm -hmm. work with them. And for me, I mean, there was stuff that I didn't even realize, you know, were there like stuff about mm -hmm. worthiness and, you know, I might be alone forever and all these like insecurities um, with a, a lot of worthiness stuff, self-esteem stuff. And um, I didn't realize at the time how much that was getting in my way. Yeah. And, uh, and I find that limiting beliefs are like the number one thing that really block people in this area of dating and relationships. Because if, you know, if you've got them going on, they're, just like driving your car and they're driving your car right. directly to people that are going to match your beliefs. So unless mm. you clear the beliefs, you just keep repeating the same, the same patterns over and over again. And that's what right. I'm Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, I talk a lot with people about how it's our narrative, right? Like we have this story that we tell ourselves about ourselves. First and foremost, most of the voices telling us those stories aren't even our own voices, right? Like they come from so many other places, okay. um, which is important. It's important to get in there to understand who are those voices? What are they saying? How mm -hmm. much of it is actually true, right? Because I do think that, that that understanding, at least in my experience and what I've seen, is the first step, I think, to unraveling them. Yeah, you have to get where it's coming from. I mean, I was able to pinpoint, you know, some of my biggest dating issues were really when, you, when I went back, I realized, oh my God, it, something happened in sixth grade on the schoolyard that mm. ended up that experience and feeling abandoned and all the things mm. that came from that experience ended up creating all these beliefs within me that then were impacting, you know, how I was dating, how I was showing up. And uh, so I had to go back and, and work and clear all that stuff. But yeah, it's so powerful. Yeah. You know, I was so excited to talk to you, Melanie, because I facilitate in our um, 
Vanessa and I are both facilitators in something called the TAT lab, which is like basically virtual group therapy. And um, one of the groups that I lead is on singlehood. And so we have a lot of these conversations around like, we can do so much healing work. And then we get back into the dating pool and all of our stuff gets like fired up, right? Like all comes back to the surface. And it's like, a lot of these things can be really great in theory or when we're sitting alone Mm -hmm. by ourselves, like I can feel really content in my wholeness until I get back in the dating world world and it all gets sort of activated again. Um, and so like, how do you sort of talk through that with clients or how do you see that showing up? Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, yeah, it just, it really brings up all of our stuff. And Mm -hmm. I have to say, I agree so much, you know, when you're single, I mean, sometimes when you're single, your stuff comes up because you're like, why don't I have a partner? Why is this so, you know, like that stuff, but it can be so easy. And then you get out there you start connecting with people Mm -hmm. and, yeah, everything comes up. But I, I just think it's such a beautiful opportunity mm. to dig in and do this inner work. Like it's such a catalyst for personal development and spiritual growth. And so yeah. when my clients are struggling with this stuff, um, that's always where I'm going is like how this is actually looking at how it's serving you, mm. how what's showing up, even though it's challenging, how is it actually serving you in your life? And when we can look at it through that lens, it's no longer this awful thing that's happening, but it's this gift, you know, that's coming in a form maybe we didn't want. Mm. Um, So when you say, how is this serving you? Do you mean like, you know, I, a lot of times think we don't do anything that's not working for us. Right. Or like there's some payoff to like whatever the maladaptive behavior is that I've had going for a while. Um, What are some of the ways that that shows up in dating, do you think? Like the patterns that we're doing because this is what's been working for me for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think, I'm trying to think of different things. Um, You know, I think that if there's someone like, for instance, someone who um, is afraid of like losing themselves in relationship or being engulfed or whatever, they might be, they might be extra judgmental with people and rule people out too quickly because it's like, oh, you're not, you know, you're not yes. a fit. It's, it's, that, it's, it's that block, you know, or yeah. maybe they're communicating in a way that really doesn't open up the connection and mm-hmm. shuts it down. They blame and they shame and they, you know, so I think yeah. it's like they'll have these patterns um, that, that serve them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, ultimately when we can look, it's like we look at, okay, so this has been serving you. This has been protecting you from getting engulfed and feeling overwhelmed but where's the area for growth here? And it's just so fun to peel it apart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I, I talk, I mean, I know Danae talks about this a lot too. It's like people don't give themselves, I guess, the compassion that Mm. I think needs to come along with the idea of defense mechanisms. Right. It's like, I always say, God bless them. Thank God for them. Right. Like they got you here. You're alive. You've made it this far. Mm. You know, we don't want to throw them all out in, in kind of what is that term? Like the baby with the bathwater. It's like, you don't want to do that because they, they have served a purpose. Right. And, um, but this, the purpose up until this point has been strictly survival and Mm. you have grown past the desire or the need just to survive. You want something more, you want something more fulfilling, right? Whether it's dating or whatever. Um, and so in order to do that, in order to cross that next threshold, those defenses, those limiting beliefs, right? The things that are getting in your way that once helped you, Mm. um, that's what you've got to untangle in order to step over that, that threshold. 
Totally. Totally. It's so important. And then if you don't do that, you just keep repeating the same patterns. Mm. So, and I think that it's interesting because so many people, they'll read books on it and they get some aha moments like, oh, Mm -hmm. this is, you know, this is what I'm doing. But it's like, unless you actually start working with the pattern and working on how to unwind it and doing that deep inner work, you can have those aha moments. But I think the patterns just, you know, they keep, they stay the same. Mm-hmm. It's easy how, to would you, how would you explain? So, I mean, I know how I would use my language on it, but I'm curious to know your language. Like when you've got a client that's saying, you know, this is my pattern. So like, let's say the, the pattern that you said before, right? About um, the fear is of being engulfed. And so the pattern is to kind of, and I, I know this well, because I used to be one of these people slash still struggle with it. Um, <laughs> the pattern is, because I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more of like the avoidant, right? So the pattern is to put up the walls, almost like um, push them away before they have a chance. Yeah. To, to consume me, right? How would you tell somebody in the moment to actually work with that pattern? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I do is I do a deep dive and really look at what are the beliefs you have mm-hmm. that that are creating this situation. And so it's like if okay. you know, do you have a belief that if I'm in a relationship, I'm going to get engulfed or I'm going to lose my freedom or, you know, so looking at what the beliefs are and then working with them and Mm -hmm. kind of gutting them, like, where did this come from? Mm -hmm. And is this actually true? And then really working with them and kind of being a sounding board and and really getting in there and looking at, is this actually true? Or is this just something I created from experiences in the past? Mm-hmm. And so that I find is just, you know, really digging in there. And then I have them, I have everyone do a daily practice working with the beliefs that are, you know, kind of have hijacked their system. Mm-hmm. Because I find that it's just, you know, it's like they're, it's our default system mm-hmm. to have that belief. So unless we work with it every day and create a different habit, and we just go back to it. So I get them all on a, it's like a 40 day program of working with it. And right. uh, well, it's like any habit, right? It's like, you've got to really get in there and try to like rewire the brain. Yeah. Totally. And so does that daily practice look like affirmations or just sort of like challenging those limiting beliefs you're talking about? Like feeling in the body. And- yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's, it's affirmations. I love affirmations. I think they're so helpful, especially when you're working with them daily for a while. Mm-hmm. It's also, yeah, just really looking at just, challenging what the beliefs are, acknowledging, um, you know, acknowledging what they are, where they came from, mm. and then lovingly challenging them and honoring them for how mm. they have served. Right. And um, so just a, a combination of a bunch of different things and connecting to source energy and connecting to something higher and getting out of their head. And there's all these yeah. different layers, but. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a good segue. Like, so, I mean, Danae and I, being LMFTs, but also our own kind of yogic work, um, you know, Buddhist psychology. Like I bring in a lot of spirituality into what I do. We're both trained in depth psychology, which is just by nature, you know, the work of the soul. So how do you feel, you know, you said you work like with energetics. It's like, how do you feel like you layer that in or like what component, I guess, does that serve in your work with clients? Yeah. I think it's just so, I find that it's so helpful to have a connection to something higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't, you know, you don't need to have that to do this work, but I find that it's really helpful if, you know, and everyone's got, you know, it seems like a lot of people I work with, they have their different term, whether it's God, the universe, source, mm-hmm. life, you know, and I find that being able to tap in and trust 
that what's happening is serving you and mm -hmm. is, uh, and that life is really supporting you and what it's bringing you and like being able to tap into that. I'm supported. Things aren't happening, you know, to, to me. me, they're happening for me, that kind of thing. I just find that it's so helpful in this process so that when things, especially with dating, you know, when things are, don't work out, which, you know, a lot of times they don't, um, to really, um, increase your resilience. I mm. think having that source connection and being able to go there and trust and tap in. So yeah. Helpful. Yeah. So I want to play with the response that I feel like I so often get from my single clients when we're okay. having conversations similar to what yeah. you're saying, which Brilliant. is, I've done this. I've done the surrender today. I've been there. It's just like 10 years of me giving it to the universe. I'm tired of this. I want my person. Where are they? You know, that sort of response. What do you say to clients when they come with you, come to you with that response to what you're saying? Yeah. And it depends because I've had clients before that have uh, you know, they've, they've, there's been that resistance of like, ah, oh, I've done this. And, you know, and I just, I need something new. This isn't working. And, you know, so a lot of times I, you know, I look at just, there's like that impatience, mm. there's this idea. I think so many people have of this is supposed to happen on the timeline that I want, you know, just because mm. I feel ready and I want it, like it should be happening. And if it's not happening, there's something wrong. Mm. And I think working with the whole patience and surrender to timing, you know, and sort of that divine timing. Yeah. And, you know, I think going, going to that place and working with people on looking at their patience and how that's impacting their life mm. and working on surrender. Mm -hmm. And also a lot of the people that are like, I'm so ready for this and I've done it all. They haven't done it all. Like when, when I start working with them, I discover, no, there's a lot of areas here that you haven't actually fully unwound. And, and so we work on that. And in that process, they become more resilient. They become more surrendered. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like what I've seen in, in clients, especially when I'm working with, let's say like women who are in their like mid to late thirties specifically, right? Yeah. Sometimes there's a lot of grief work yeah. in this stuff that we have to attend to, right? Because the reality is this stuff does not work on our timeline. Yeah. And so it's not the heart, you know, it, there's not a, there's not a life sentence to this. Like if you want kids and you're 36 and you haven't met someone yet, no one's saying it's not going to happen, but we also have to potentially go into that, that area of grieving and say like, but what if it doesn't happen? Right. Yeah. Um, and so I know what ends up happening, at least in my practice is like, we'll go through a lot of the, you know, the self-work and the limiting beliefs. And then, and then we get to this very kind of raw, um, vulnerable. I didn't even want to look at it space yeah. of, of real grief. Um, and what, what I've experienced is when we get to that place mm -hmm. and we're able to kind of just sit in that, that is where the real surrender hmm. comes into play. Literally. It's so beautiful to get to that place of, you know, what if this never, ha what if this never happens? Then what? Hmm. Like, what will I do then? And really, who am getting, I? <laughs> yeah, who am I without that? Yeah. And when you really, and there is grief. And I remember doing that process for myself hmm. and I just envisioned that it would never happen for me. The things that I wanted, the relationship, the children and all the things. And I, I remember weeping and just, this, mm. it's just such a devastating moment. But then from that, you know, when you cry and you cry and then there's a, <sighs> mm -hmm. yes. you can finally see the truth when, and, and relax when the tears have moved through. And then it's like, oh, well then 
I would do this and I would focus on this and this is a possibility. And mm-hmm. so, so much is possible. Yeah. When we are able to move through that grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that question can be a real indication of where there is still more surrendering to do because yeah. often when we say, and what if it were never to happen? Like we almost say it like, you know, um, a little bit of fear, even saying the words and knowing that there's going to be sort of a resistance or a bite back or a, you know, and that resistance is around like where there is still some more surrendering to be done. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's where the work is. Yeah. And I had, I'm thinking of one client in particular, but she really opened, I guess, my eyes to a lot of people, myself included, I think that were in this camp, which was like, she really fought against the idea of surrender Mm. as I'm sitting back and not doing anything. Mm. And we had to, we had to really go into the idea that surrender is actually very active. It's not passive. Right. Like, and I wonder if you've experienced kind of similar pushbacks around that, that idea. Yeah. I have had, yeah. People before kind of like, yeah, feeling the same way. And it is, it's like you can surrender and be taking action and putting mm-hmm. yourself out there. It doesn't mean just because you surrender that someone's going to show up at your door. You know? right. You're not just like sitting on the couch eating chips. Like that's not what I mean yeah. when I'm saying surrender. <laughs> yeah. Like that could be fun for a while, but no, it's like yeah. you can surrender and trust the process and put yourself out there. And it's that like that balance mm-hmm. that I think creates the the best experiences, right? Yes. Okay. Well, so let's get into this, like putting yourself out there thing, Melanie. Yeah. Um, I, as a single woman, want to talk about, yes, <laughs> I want to talk Go about sitting it. in the midst of COVID. Um, <laughs> how are people doing it? What are, what's the situation with, you know, I, after being married for a lot of years, am single for a little over a year now and dating apps to me are horrifying. <laughs> like, oh, no. like, are they? They're they're terrifying to me, and you're also, also an introvert. So there's that. <laughs> Such an introvert. But that's fifty percent of the population. So half of y'all on the apps probably feel the same way. <laughs> yes, but what do you what do you tell? First of all, well, let's start with people like me who like dating apps are like the furthest thing from what they want to do, especially in a time where we're not out in the world meeting people. What are you telling them right now? Yeah, tell me my thing. Yes, okay, here we go. It's I, I think that it's interesting when people have that resistance to dating apps because I always mm. I always say like if if you're not enjoying it if it's like a horrible process I think there's a way you could adjust how you're approaching it mm. so that it's more fun and okay. perhaps a mindset shift. Mm. Yeah. Do tell. So I mean <laughs> I'm, yeah, open. I'm curious like what what for you like what is the most challenging part of it or what does it bring up in you that's like the ah I'm getting a little hot. Is it hot? (laughs) I did ask for this. Okay. Um, You know, I think it's a little bit of, it just feels so dehumanizing, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're like sitting there and there's like pictures of people and you're like getting their stats and it's like a, like I'm trying to sum someone up by looking at their picture and their information and it's like swipe this person away and it just feels like really sad. I don't know. Like um, something about it makes me feel really sad. (laughs) Um, and I don't know, like it's, yeah, I think that that there's something about it that just doesn't feel like organic or like Mm -hmm. how we should be connecting with other humans. I, I, thanks for sharing. I I hear that a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, where people say, I just want to meet my person organically. Like that's Mm -hmm. the best way. And of course, like who doesn't want to bump into the person in the grocery store? Maybe not now with COVID, but, but who doesn't want to bump in? away, please. <laughs> yeah, like, please. Um, who doesn't want to bump into the person or have it be so natural and it just happens organically? But 
I also, I think that we can make it so that meeting someone, meeting someone on an app is almost organic too. Like you're both on this mm. app and boop, you've bumped into each other. You're both interested. Like, mm. I don't, I think, yeah, there's this, there's this way that a lot of people I see look at it. Like this is fake and not real, but it can mm -hmm. be really real. I mean, and I always encourage the people I'm working with to, it's not just a photo, mm. you know, photos. It's, you know, looking for profiles that resonate with you and like on a felt heart. level, like when you, cause people who are hearing us aren't seeing you, but when you just said what resonates with you, you did this almost like you were holding onto your heart space. Right. Yeah. And like, when you said that, I felt this space of like, it needs to, you need to feel it. Like there needs to be an energy behind the person, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I think when we're doing it based on photos, you know, yeah. you could be meeting, it's, it's, you don't know who that person is. Do you really connect with them? But when someone takes the time and they write a profile that mm. hits your heart in some way or sparks you and you're excited, mm. then it's exciting to meet this random person. You know, it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm not meeting them in a grocery store. This is bad. It's like you are looking forward to connecting with this person. So I think, I mean, I've met incredible men on dating apps and my, you know, clients have met their partners and there's just so much possibility there. And I think that it's about getting beyond that you're on this app and swiping and looking at getting into the soul of it. Mm. You know, Bellamy, that's so powerful because I think um, if you met somebody in the grocery store, mm -hmm. you wouldn't, so there's two things that are coming up. One, you would still be going on energy mm -hmm. in that moment. Like yeah. you're still going by physical, by the way, like it's oh, no. still based on, am I attracted so to this person physically, whether it's yeah. a photo or in real life. Mm -hmm. And you're still going to go on what's my gut, like what's my energy, right? Yeah. So there, there's that component is actually the same. Mm -hmm. And also when you say the thing about the profile, it makes me think when I'm working with clients who are struggling with apps, because I think all of us probably have that experience, um, the profile really does make a difference. Like you do mm -hmm. want your profile to come from a space of like, this is who I am and I can feel it because somebody is going to either feel it or not feel it. Right. Yeah. Like it shouldn't just be like six foot four has a dog, like, <laughs> right. you know, lives in Santa Monica, like and whatever. It needs to really speak to who you are, like yeah. your essential core. Yeah. And that's another thing that I work with clients on is, you know, we, so often we have these, this preferences list, you know, right, and I want right. him to be tall and I want him to be this and that, and it's, but I really look at, you know, what do you know you need to be mm. happy in a relationship versus what do you think you want? Like, what are the things you want? Yeah. And they're often different. And, yeah. um, and I think that people, you know, rule people out too quickly sometimes because they don't seem like they, oh, you don't meet my, you know, you're not six, four and you're not, um, and all those things, but it's about going deeper. Like, what mm. do you really need? And then being open to those people that, that bring that. Um, and profiles make a huge difference. I mean, there was a client of mine uh, and she actually, I, I hardly ever see clients live, but she was passing through LA when I was living there. So she came over and we worked on her profile because she wasn't mm -hmm. having a lot of luck with it. And we just, we put more depth in it. We went to like the heart of who she is mm. and what she desires. And within, like she left my house, took an Uber and went back to her hotel. And she, she messaged me saying, oh my God, I'm getting all of, like all of a sudden all these like really interesting men are writing me. Um, and it was, it was, it blew me away because it was such a short time from when she left yeah. my house. But it's like what she was writing spoke mm -hmm to the right people and right. 
It makes so it today. I think you need to have Melanie help you write your profile. Apparently, like, I need yeah, to come over there. to Melanie's house so she can uh, do her profile for me. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the other thing that I do feel like so many of my clients say is it just feels like a full time job. Like it's it feels like I I'll, wish I'll someone could do this yeah. for me because no, I'm, you know, it. there's just so much. Like I'm swiping and it's like, you know, I have to go through so much reading, so much information to sort of like, I, I think you're absolutely right. Like if someone has a funny profile, it's like, oh, I like his energy. It's cute. Right. Yeah. Um, but it can feel like a lot of work to get there. So are there tricks in terms of the swiping to make it feel a little less like yeah. this is a job? I so get that. And I know I've been there before. And I think that when it feels like work, we're not doing it in the, in the ideal way for us personally. So it's mm -hmm. really tuning into what, like, you want to make this pleasurable for yourself. So if, right. you know, it doesn't, if you're have this pressure inside, if I've got to go on there every day and I've just got to keep swiping and swiping, then it feels like a lot, but I always encourage people to do it in a way that feels pleasurable to you. So maybe you just want to get on there three or four days a week for 10 minutes, or you have a certain time period, or you take certain days off. And you know, I also, that can make it easier. So you don't feel like it's always, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're attached to it. Turn your mm -hmm. notifications off too, by the way. Yeah. Oh, hello. You I mean, I believe that all apps, but like, yeah. especially that like ding, ding, ding. I can't. Bro, right? like, no ding, ding. Get no. Off. Hijacking <laughs> your nervous system. Like get out of here with that. <laughs> I know. I hate the ding, ding. I know. And like choose when, when it feels good to you, when right. you're mm -hmm. relaxed at home and, you know, and you feel like, oh, let me check this out. And I, and I also recommend you know, a lot of times we swipe, 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 so many people. And then if you get a bunch of matches, now you're overwhelmed. Hmm. So I encourage people just don't like go slow, like swipe a handful of people, take a break, see if they were, you know, see if you connect, deal with those people, like then move on instead of, you know, swiping 200 people in the night, getting a bunch of matches, then you're overwhelmed and you're juggling them. So almost like, like changing that. your pace a little bit and working at a pace that serves you. Well, again, if we were, let's say in a bar, like yeah. I wouldn't be like, you, 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 <laughs> right. okay, everyone over here. Yeah. We, we got to talk. talk. I'm literally <laughs> like, which apps allow you to meet 200 people? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not saying meet, but I'm saying, Swipe with 200 because yeah. it gets addicting yeah. when you're just, you know. I well, mean, it is. It, it is addicting, right? Oh, I mean, oh, that's oh, the oh. whole purpose of swiping. Like they've done the psychology around it and they know it's gamified for a reason, right? Mm, they yeah. want you to be in there constantly. So let's be real. These people who make these dating apps don't actually want you to meet somebody. Right. Yeah. Right. They that's the thing. Get you on the app. Yeah. Yes. Like we have to understand this. Like it is gamified. They want your ass on there as long and as much as possible. Yeah. Right. And so you can't play into what their rules are. Like mm, you've right. got to kind of hijack them a little bit in order to make right. it work for you. And I think that's do important it. to understand. Yeah. Do it your own way. And the yeah. more that like you're clear on what you need to have to be happy and the more, yes. you know, time and energy you put into your profile so that it really represents, mm -hmm. you know, who you are on a deep level and and the more you work it so that you find pleasure in getting on the app versus being weighed Dread. down and feeling pressure, <laughs> then, then it's great. You meet people with more ease. You have more fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I love it. I, I, I'm, I'm not single now. Um, but you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, it's so fun getting on the, you know, it's so fun. The swiping. See, there's that addiction. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm like, oh, do, do. but it's just, it's, it's fun. I think it's fun 
I just love people. And so yeah, I find people yeah. so interesting. So like that whole, this is another thing with dating is people, I hear a lot of complaints. Oh, I just don't want to go out again. And, I, and this feeling of frustration with just the dating process, hmm. and the approach I take is like, how often do you get to go out and meet a whole bunch of different men or people, you know, whoever it is that you're interested in dating, how often do you get to go and connect with new people and ask deep questions. And it's really kind of fun if you approach it in a certain way and you have a certain mindset about it. It's pleasurable. It's interesting. Yeah. I love that. I was having a conversation in one of my groups about how we can bring mindfulness practices to dating. And this is a little where I need to practice what I'm preaching, but um, you know, just being open to the process of being in curiosity with the person in front of you, getting to know people for the sake of meeting a person versus like, where is this going to go? Who are we going to be to one another? Because you don't know, like this person could have an amazing friend that ends up being your soulmate that you're not even going to put yourself in a position to meet if you're not open to like being in relationship with this person in whatever way you're supposed to be in relationship so with them. Oh, true. There are so many gifts. I mean, there was a man I met many years ago and it wasn't a fit like to date him, hmm. but I ended up, he had a job that really interests me. And, and I ended up going back to him like a few years later going, hey, is that job, are they hiring? Like, you know, it was like a therapist to work at the school. And he set me up with it. And I had this job I loved hmm. for four plus years because- you know, of a date I went on and it didn't work out. So, but this goes back to what you're originally saying about this idea of like, what is it doing for me versus to me? It's like, if we really approach dating in this very kind of mindful, um, you know, focused way with intention, I guess, intentioned way, um, there's so much that can come from it. It's not just about, this is my soulmate. We're going to get married. We're going to have kids. It's like, that's actually a very like narrow way to look at it. This is just oh, another human, right. another soul that I'm connecting with. And who knows where that connection could potentially take me mm. down the road. And I think it's, yeah. there's a lot of, I, there's a lot of gifts that come in too, that I, I see as gifts. You know, when you meet someone, let's say anxiety comes up or something's going on for you that you notice during that date, checking in, like, what is that? You know, and mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's coming up because there's something there that you can work with. So I always mm -hmm. see you know, any of the things that come up when you're dating, it's like, great, dive into those things, work on yourself. Yeah. Um, and I just see it all as each person is a practice partner. You get to practice showing up and being open. And uh, yeah, I'm such a fan. I mean, yeah, I, I love yeah. that way of looking at it. <laughs> yeah, I'm really going to steal that. I love that each person is a practice partner and you want to like, mm -hmm. just pay attention to how you're showing up in relationships with everyone. Yeah. And how can you, I found that for myself, um, when I'm, you know, when I was going out with different men, it, just showing up from a place of love, like mm -hmm. showing up instead of what am I here? Like wanting to get something like, are you the one for me? Like you're saying, are you the one for me? And, yes. and going in with that way of thinking, like really going in open and being there to serve the other person and being there to be mm -hmm. present and hear them and feel their heart and hold a beautiful space together. Like that's be it's beautiful when you can approach in that way where you're there to give mm -hmm. as opposed to I'm here to get something and see if you're right for me. I mean, you can approach it in that way. It's really fun to gift people with this open energy and with presence. Like that's mm -hmm. the greatest gift we can give to each other is holding space. So I love that about it too. That's really beautiful. Do you feel like um, this moment in time that we're in with COVID and everything has been 
detrimental to dating or do you think it's been the opposite? No, I see I you think, shaking your head. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's great because I think, you know, typically people get, they, they meet up with people right away and they act on chemistry hmm. or, you know, their old wounds are coming up and they recognize certain qualities. Unconscious is like, Ooh. yeah, it's like, oh my God, yep. you remind me of my father. Yep. Yeah. I'm attracted to you. And so people <laughs> jump into things, I think often too quickly hmm. and then end up in relationships that don't work. And I think with COVID, a lot of my clients are doing more video dates first. And so mm -hmm. getting to know people just like this and you can feel, it's like you, it forces you to slow down. There's no movie to watch. There's no concert to go to. There's not all that live energy where you can reach over and kiss them. You're just forced to be present and, and discover like, what is the connection when it's just you and me looking at each other, mm -hmm. not able to get physical. And that, that you learn a lot from doing that. I think that's a real gift of this time. It's just slowing that process down, slowing the physical stuff down and really yeah. getting to know people. I think it's mm. a huge gift. All right, Melanie, I'm, I'm inspired. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I want to ask you, but <laughs> I don't know if we're like allowed to ask about it being like we're sponsoring one of the dating apps, but what but, do you think are the best ones that your clients have like the best results with? Or do you think there's some types of today's just like totally doing her own. Oh, I'm like well I've got a dating coach here but that's all in her research I'm like I see what you're doing no she's you know what I'm taking notes so many yeah get your pad out asking so for a I, friend yeah, yeah take a friend of mine that's it um you know I always tell people find the apps that I've, I haven't found that any there's like one specific app that's like, this is the best one. Hmm. I think it's really fun, like finding the apps that you enjoy the most. Yeah. So there's certain interfaces that hmm. might work better. You know, like some people love Bumble and love having the control of reaching out first. Other people hate that they have to initiate and don't like the time limit and it stresses them out that, you know, <laughs> uh, some people hate, think Tinder is just this awful hookup site and oh my God, it's, it's, they hate it. And I mean, I was always a fan of it. I thought it's, it's, it's how you approach it. You know, like I liked that interface. I liked that they reach out first. So mm. I think it's what works best for you, but I think Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, Match, OkCupid, Meet Mindful. Um, if you're more into consciousness. Yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah. I Twirl. Think is a new one, by Wait, the way. Twirl? I haven't heard yeah. of Twirl. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Actually, my partner um, is also a therapist and he is like kind of a co-founder. They're messing with this new app. They just launched it called Twirl and it's a dating app. And so basically what they've done, it's, yeah. is it T-W-I-R-L? It is, right? Is there an I? Yeah. yeah. Um, basically the whole premise is it's a video dating app. So you... Ooh you have to record videos. And then what happens is you ask questions of people, you put it out there to like the community. So it's like, you know, what about this resonates with you? Like, what is your experience with this? And then people have to actually respond back to that question. And so you get an idea of like a little bit deeper thinking and like what they, you know, feel about things. And then that's how you actually can kind of decide, oh, this person, what they feel, what they say resonates more with me than just like images. I love that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm so excited. I can't. Yeah. I mean, it's small because it just, it just launched, but it, I yeah. love the potential. I love the idea behind it. Um, it feels so much more like 
just depthy to me. Yeah, I and I always wonder why there's not more video things. Same. Because I just think that's such a great way to feel someone's energy. Mm, agreed. And so that's great. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. I wrote that down. <laughs> Pass that around. <laughs> yeah. We're listening. Yeah. Hop on Twirl. We need to grow the community. Everybody Twirl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I love it. Um, well, so the, uh, the other question I wrote down was really around, um, well, so we talked about your limiting beliefs, but I, I love it to bring it back to us, right? So you said you're not single anymore. Like, yeah. talk us through that. Like, how do you feel like you kind of went from where you were, right? So you had your limiting beliefs, you were kind of working on them on your own. You feel like you were able to get through some of them, unblock some of them. Tell us a story about how you met who you're with and like, what has that experience been like for you? Like, do you feel like things have come up since you've met this person? Like, is there new layers to work through? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's always new layers, right? right. But um, yeah, so I met, I met this man actually on a Zoom when COVID hit on a Zoom dinner party. Really? Um, I love yeah. it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> and he was a, a Facebook friend. Um, he was a, a, a Facebook friend, but I didn't really know him. Yeah. And I always kind of thought, oh, he seems... Great. I feel like we would get along really. So I was excited about the Zoom dinner party and we just instantly connected. What the, how I was feeling about him when I observed him on Facebook was, it was mutual. Energetics. Um, yes. And mm -hmm. yeah, so we started, he actually was living in Portland and I'm here in California. So we started just doing video chatting and then arranged to finally meet because we're like, we have to figure this out. And so mm -hmm. Anyway, he lives here now and um, yeah, you know, listen, our stuff comes up and I think it always does when we're in relationship, like new things, we trigger each other or um, jump to conclusions and, and fortunately he's, he's a coach, he's super conscious and so we just dig in and whatever's coming up, we, we do the work on it. But yeah, yeah, so of course, yes, triggers come up and, but I find that, you know, when you're with someone and they're committed to personal growth and they're, they do the work, you can navigate through those bumps with so much more ease. Yeah. And I think when you pick a partner who's really well matched versus picking someone because you're lonely or you feel like you're behind in life and I've got to make this happen, I've got to have kids. It's like when you're able to pick from a really grounded place, mm. you make better choices mm -hmm. and you have better, healthier relationships. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. And you also speak to something that I hear a lot too, which is this idea of long distance dating. Um, you know, especially I think during COVID, like people are meeting in those different ways and, but he's not here or she's not here. They don't live in the same place. Uh, personally, I'm all for it. I actually think there's nothing wrong with long distance dating. I think, um, I mean, I personally did it myself for a long time. And I think as long as you guys have an idea that there's potential for this to go somewhere, mm. um, it's almost like what you were saying. It's, it's a way to slow down and to get to know each other in a different kind of way than you would if you were immediately jumping into bed together, which again, like no judgment. I mean, I've been there, yeah. done that too, but like, you know, it's just a different approach to it. Um, and it can get a lot deeper than, you know, it would otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. And with long distance, like I, I think maybe we had like a, a month and a half or maybe a little bit longer of just video chatting mm. on a regular basis before he flew out and we met each other. And I felt like by the time we met, like we knew each other on such yeah. a deep level. Like I knew we were already great friends, no matter what happened, if it was a romantic match or not, there was a depth and a realness to our connection that, 
you know, it's, I think that's one of the gifts of, of dating in this time. Yeah, I love that. I think that that has been a little bit of what I've seen as the gift of this time that we're in is that it's a little bit, it's like brought back courting. Like you got to work for it a little harder. You got to like put in some time with somebody before you just get to go straight to the whatever the end result is that you might be seeking. But there's just more time that we invest before we're actually getting to know or where we're actually getting to know people, I guess I guess I should say. Totally. It's, I think it's such a gift. Hmm. Slowing it down. Yeah. And that whole, the whole like being forced to just, I mean, you know, you can't go out and do the things we always did that would distract us. So yeah. just being forced to be present with someone. Yeah. Which by the way, can also be very anxiety inducing for some people because like, yeah. stop yeah. looking at me. <laughs> That's <laughs> I know you, you please look somewhere else. Yeah. I, know. I mean, but, but you know, I mean, even for me, it's like, I mean, I'm an extrovert and I could have a conversation with a brick wall with no problem, but like, I can imagine dating COVID dating, like, okay, zoom, like we're having these zoom meetings or whatever. And I'm sitting across from you one-on-one and like, what if it is awkward? What if like, we don't have anything to talk about? What if it, then those feelings of anxiety, those are a lot uh, more pronounced because mm. I don't have the movie to watch. I don't have the concert to like turn my attention to. Right. And so there's, I feel like there's a little bit more anxiety and dread around, but like, what if this doesn't go well, because I have no escape hatch. But it's Mm. so much easier than if you're live with someone in a coffee shop or you're went to go get dinner and you realize in the first few minutes, Oh no, this is not a connection. And then you have to sit through two hours, you know, (laughs) this way, at least it's like, Oh my God, you know, you could just wrap it up. This has yeah. been so nice. I'm feeling a little tired. Oh, my dog's thank really got to go out. I my dog needs to pee, but thank you so much. Or my mom's calling. I've got to check on her. I mean, there's so many. <laughs> you pretend your screen is like frozen. Right, you're like, oh, can you yeah, hear me? I can't hear you. Yeah. We have oh, a yeah. terrible connection. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. I'm so sorry. But there's, it's, there's so many great ways to get off of a oh. call. And also, it's great too. It's like if it brings up anxiety in you. Hmm you know, what is that about, right? Yeah. Like what is coming up? Like, are you afraid to disappoint someone? Are you afraid that you'll be judged for getting, you know, like it's interesting to look at that because if you, and if you can show up just like, okay, this may work, it may not. And you're relaxed and it, you let it roll off you. If it's weird, it's like, okay. And you get off, you know, it's, it's a lot easier. So I always think if, if that anxiety is coming up, cool, like work it. It's a great area. See, that's how you know you're a therapist, though, because people <laughs> are like, like Ooh, anxiety? Yeah, this is great. Most people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Anxiety is horrible, and I want to hit the, the red escape button immediately. Right. But for and us, like, it's like, no, get in there. Stay in it. there. Get curious. Yeah, work with it. Invite <laughs> yeah. it in for tea. Like, it's got something to tell you. Yeah. Uh, people listening are like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. And that's, you know, I think that a lot of people can roll their eyes, but I'm like, right. when you can really start working with this stuff, hmm. uh, you just, you experience so much more ease and freedom. And so, yeah. Wow. I love this, Melanie. Thanks for letting us sort of riff on all of this dating oh, stuff. It's pleasure. fun to talk about. Um, so we have some questions that we ask all of our guests. Um, okay. And the first one is, who have been some of your greatest teachers, mentors, either people you know or people whose work you really love that you've drawn inspiration from? Yeah, I love Stan Tatkin. Mm. Um, And I would say Stan Tatkin and Michaela Bowen, who does, she works with masculine, feminine polarity, David Data. I'm going to write this down. I love David Data, yeah. Yeah, David Data and then Michaela was sort of working with him and now she's gone out on her own, but Okay. You know, the masculine feminine polarity realm, that really influenced me a lot, mm. learning how to work with that. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so the next question is what breaks your heart? Mm. When people judge prematurely, mm -hmm. uh, it, it just kills me to hear that judgment come out without really understanding or knowing someone's circumstances. Mm. How do you find yourself in a flow state? So just that thing that you could do all day long, hours have passed, you haven't even realized how many hours have passed, you've just been so in it, you're in flow when you're doing this thing. Singing, songwriting, mm. um, when I'm in that zone, that was what I did before I became a therapist. Um, getting into that zone, writing a song and then singing with someone else or co-writing a song, mm. which um, my man and I, we love to play music together and just Aww. so much time can pass. We write these goofy, inappropriate songs and we just have so much fun and we could do it for hours and hours on end. So that's definitely, yeah. The, I love that. that. Tapping into the creative. Yes. Mm. Beautiful. Take last okay, one next one. Um, so what is your favorite food? It's a heavy question. Oh, I mean, this is, yeah. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> it's very serious. Okay, you know what? I'm going to say my favorite food, which I'm, I've just, as of two days ago, I'm giving up for two months. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> eggs. Because, yeah, I, I, like, my love my morning scrambled eggs. Yeah. But my cholesterol is so high. And so I thought, let me take it out for a couple months, see if it changes things. So I've given it up, but that is my favorite. Some good old scrambled eggs. Appreciate that. I appreciate that. I have two chickens. I'm waiting for them to start hatching or laying. They're not yet. Our ROI on these things is really not worth it at this point, but we're waiting. <laughs> let you know how it goes. Um, oh but God. I do appreciate a good like morning fresh scramble. So right? that would be hard to give up. Totally. Yeah. Oh, it's a little challenging. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Melanie, this has been so fun. Um, will you tell us where people can find you if they're just want to learn more about this world of dating and how to attack all of this that we're talking yeah. about. You can find me at, at my website right now. It's good at you all spelled out. Good at you.com. Uh, you can find me on uh, Facebook. It's a good at you or under Melanie Hirsch at on Instagram. Awesome. And I'm always on social media and posting and sharing tips. So amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Wow. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This was wow. fun. And, yeah. and I hope, I know this is going to be really helpful to a lot of people, especially at the whole COVID timeline. And it, we get this question a lot. And I think the anxiety that I've experienced um, kind of on the other side of it has been yeah. around dating. I think this mm. has been the biggest like issue that I've seen come up with people during the pandemic and stuff. So I think this will be a helpful conversation. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad. So glad. I so want to support people to have more ease in this area and have more fun mm. with yes. it too. So yeah. yeah, I geek out on talking about it. <laughs> Love it. My friend appreciates your insight and this has just been really, really <laughs> friend. Your friend. Tell your friend anytime they need some help. <laughs> oh, so fun. Thanks, Melanie. Thank you so much. Nessa and I are so excited to tell you about something we've been working on for a while now. Yeah, we've been, I guess, mulling it over and letting it, I don't know, come to fruition for many years, probably actually since we met. Um, yeah. And we're excited to finally be able to bring it to you. We met in grad school doing really deep inner work over long weekends once a month. And I think from the beginning, we've talked about the power in these immersive experiences where we come together in community and bear witness to one another in our stories. And we unpack some of the things that have held us back from living 
our most authentic life. And I think that's, you know, a lot of what both of us are really passionate about supporting people in doing. Yeah. I mean, everything that we do, I guess, from a therapy perspective, it all seems to ladder up into this, right? It Mm. seems to ladder up into the work of, you know, questioning, why are you not living? your most authentic life? You know, what are some of these kind of bad habits or false beliefs that you have that are keeping you from living your most authentic life, right? Like, do you even know what authenticity looks, sounds, feels like for you, right? Mm. Why, why not? I mean, we could talk about the shadow, right? We could talk about things that maybe we've kept hidden for our whole lives for survival. Um, there's so many ways into it, but yeah, I feel like authenticity is really the ladder um, under which everything we do falls. Yeah, absolutely. And so what Vanessa and I have done is we've put together a three-day immersive retreat experience, and we're going to do this first one virtually. So um, in this- COVID be damned. Oh, yeah. I mean, and and that's the thing, you know, we're figuring out a way to connect in community. And I think both of us have been so inspired by the way virtual communities can still feel really, really connecting Mm. and um, like a supportive space in a way that maybe we hadn't anticipated when all of this began, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. So in this retreat, um, we're just going to be bringing together what are, you know, like a little bit of a fusion of both of our specialties, whether that's, you know, digging deep into the codependent tendencies that Vanessa is so amazing at helping us unpack or some of the work that I do around our tendencies to self-abandon. And um, it's also going to have shadow work and the ways that we look at um, our limiting beliefs and our spiritual bypassing and all of the things. There's just going to be so many ways that we bring together the things that we do that hold us back from living our most authentic lives and starting to see how we can break those patterns. Right. And because it wouldn't be Danae and I, if we didn't do this, we're going to make you guys move as well. Right. Because we are <laughs> avid yoginis and we both teach. That's um, right. And so there will be yoga. There will be somatic movement. There will be breath work. There will be guided meditation, all the things. Um, and also Danae is going to lead us Saturday night into some um, ecstatic dance, ecstatic movement, which she's super in right now. Right? I was like, I love how you make it sound like you're not going to be there dancing with I me. I mean, I'll be there, but I'm not going to be leading it. It's all you girl. <laughs> You will be dancing. You will see Vanessa dancing. But yeah, there will be just a really deep experience of healing and community and coming together at a time where I think we both feel like we need it the most, right? It will be a three-day retreat. It's going to be March 12th through March 14th, starting in Friday evening, going into Sunday. And um, the name of the retreat is From Self-Abandonment to Inner Belonging, which feels so perfect in terms of the work that we both do together, right? Yeah. And that we're excited to kind of bring out there to you guys. And like she said, build community around this stuff, right? So if you go to my website, vanessabennett.com backslash retreats, you'll see it there. It's the first one that pops up. It's going to be $79 for the full weekend. Like today said, starts Friday evening, goes through Sunday evening, you know, jam-packed just get a lot of time with us. Don't worry. We'll give you some breaks in between to integrate. Um, but we're really looking forward to it. And we, we hope to see you there. We can't wait to get together with you guys. Thanks for joining us for this episode of cheaper than therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa S Bennett and at Danae Logan Selkin.